This is Buried in Our Past, Hidden Histories podcast of Westport Museum for History and Culture and the Westport Library, where you'll hear untold accounts of American history. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Ramin Ganeshram, the Executive Director of the Westport Museum for History and Culture. And I'm here with my friend and Westport Museum board member, Greg Peretta. Hi, Ramin. Hi, Greg. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to have you here with me. Yeah. So I can tell you uh, a story mm. that I bet you think you know, because mm. we all think we know the story I'm about to tell you, okay. but you probably don't. So I'm going to start with a question. Okay. And the question is, tell me what you think of when I say to you, what is the story of Thanksgiving? Well... I think we've all been told that story many times since we were young, right? You know, the, and, you know, I can remember being a kid and getting together and getting the crepe paper out and making a pilgrim's hat and the Indian, you know, headband. And pilgrims and the Indians got together and they were friends and they celebrated uh, being, you know, kind of together and, you know, supportive and this type of thing and getting right. to know each other, this this sort of you know, this nice sort picture of, and all the paintings. I'm certain we've certainly seen over the years as well. Right, yeah. right. And um, what were you told about pilgrims? Do you remember what were we all told about pilgrims? Why did they come here? Well, yeah, you know, the Mayflower, right? Uh, I'm really just going back to like elementary school right. when it was introduced to me. And religious is, freedom. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And then my last question for you okay. is. What are the things that we eat today that are supposed to basically mimic that first Thanksgiving, which was in 1621, by right. the way? Right. right. Well, we still eat these things, right? We've got we got the turkey. Yeah. We got the cranberry sauce. Yeah. You know all of the all of the things, and you know uh, vegetables and gourds and gourds, all the pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie. You yeah. know all that stuff, which I happen to like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's one of my favorite meals but of the year. I think for a lot of people, it's the favorite meal of the year, right? Although I think turkey is sort of like overblown. I mean, it's like <laughs> once a year, I think ultimately is just fine for me with turkey, but I do enjoy it. Okay. Well, so let's <laughs> let's talk about all of this. So okay. the first thing I want to say to you mm-hmm. is, as I guess I know you can guess, mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is that that story is pretty much not true, mm-hmm. end to end, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to start with uh, telling you the story of the pilgrims, which Mm -hmm. we're all told uh, were people who came here to North America, to Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. uh, for the purpose of religious freedom. And that's only part of the story. So the truth of the matter is, and um, I often say this in this way, America was a company store. And what do I mean by that? America was settled by corporations, Uh, The Virginia Company settled Jamestown, and the London Company settled, or the Plymouth Bay Company was also called, settled Massachusetts, right? And Mm -hmm. the purpose was uh, very much a corporate purpose, to send people here to uh, work the land, to take advantage of the natural resources, to trade with the native people uh, for some of those resources, uh, and, you know, in return for this, for being an employee of the store, you were set up with a passage, with some land to work, uh, which you eventually had to kind of work off, you know, to, to, to be able to claim it outright as your own. Mm. So it was a corporate relationship. They were employees 
of the London Company. Did they come here for religious freedom? Yes, they did. They were very much, um, you know, I don't even like to use the word persecuted, but they were thought of um, very poorly in Europe. Uh, These particular pilgrims had actually not come directly from England. Uh, You know, they were living in the Netherlands. Uh, Their group was living in the Netherlands because they had been expelled from England and then returned, obviously, to come here to North America. And, you know, the truth of the matter is they were thought of as very extreme religious fundamentalists. Mm. So that's kind of an interesting idea, right? We talk about this in our own modern time, religious fundamentalism, extremism, Mm. um, regardless of the religious sect we're talking about, right? We talk about this a lot. Mm. Um, They were considered extremists fundamentalist extremists. And they took advantage of this corporate opportunity to get out of Dodge, basically. So does that gel with anything you were talking about? Well, not really. I've been thinking, so the corporate mentality kind of came overseas, you know, uh, across the pond, as they say. But my my question is, in terms of sponsorship, so you have this group of people. Right. And as you mentioned, right, of course, religious freedom. And right, that is the story that I've certainly heard, you know, over and over and certainly as a, as a young boy. And that was the spirit of this journey. And there was something in some ways almost uh, pristine and heroic about it, right? You know, it was like, you know, taking this journey based on belief, you know, and uh, uh, escaping some, some level of oppression, you know. But what you're saying, what I hear you saying, is that it was you know, much more rooted in some of the things that we're familiar with, you know, in our present day society, uh, underlying most of the actions that we see unfold before us in society, which is, you know, the corporate, what's the bottom line, where's the benefit, where's the value, and this type of thing. So that's interesting. Right. I mean, so the corporate methodology of coming here and being employees of the company were a means to an end. Yeah. which was to get out of a place that didn't want them, and they were actually in danger because of their views. Uh-huh. Um, but ultimately, it was a transaction, right? How did they engage? Like, So you've got, as they say, the kind of the corporate sponsorship, but what was the nature of the relationship? What was the connection? How did they connect to the... The, the company? The com- yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, so, they, so it was just like now. There were agents. Mm-hmm. There were ads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, agents kind of went out and kind of recruited people. Mm. There were ads in newspapers saying that people were being sought. Okay. Um, things were, information was given like through the local churches. Um, all the networks of information that were common at the time, right? right. And so they learned as did other people, um, for other voyages that were not religiously based. Jamestown is a good example of that, Mm -hmm. um, that this opportunity came about. So they're here, right? Mm -hmm. They get here um, in uh, 16, I think 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. And we all know the story, then what happens, right? They have this terrible winter. You know, they they cannot survive. The winters here are much colder than they are in England. Uh, people die. There's not enough food. And then they finally make it through the year, and they make it through the next harvest year. And come fall 1621, they are celebrating the fact that they survived, right? Okay. And so that's the Thanksgiving story, that they have this big feast, Mm -hmm. as you said, with the Native people. Mm -hmm. Um, And we like to think it was in November. It probably was not in November. It was somewhere around September, October, if not, you know, August. In fact, we do know um, the the date uh, or the time of year 
exactly from a, a letter uh, by a man named Edward Winslow. It was written in December of 1621, and he describes this event. So it happens, remember, it takes quite a few weeks for ships to go between you know, England and North America, mm-hmm. at least a month. Uh, so it happened sometime in in the fall. We don't know that it was necessarily November. Right. We'll talk about why it's November now okay. in a little bit. This is really interesting. Yeah. So Edward Winslow says, first of all, you know, we planted all these crops. They didn't really do well, uh, but, you know, the corn was came out okay, right? So we had corn, um, and then we did have, uh, he says that they go hunting. Four men were sent out to do fowling, in other words, to hunt wild birds. Mm. Um, And they killed a lot of wild birds. And then they had the company of uh, some indigenous people, about 90 men with their king, Massasoit, right? And he says, for three days, we entertained and feasted And they, meaning the indigenous people, went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. Mm. So first of all, we don't know that there was any turkey. Was wild turkey common? Of course, it was then as it is now. We don't know for sure that Mm. that was what they ate. Um, We do know that uh, they likely did eat um, some kind of baked uh, mashed pumpkin dish. Uh, that uh, likely wasn't sweetened, mm-hmm. right? Sugar was really expensive. Um, the idea that maple syrup was widely used to sweeten things uh, is a myth that actually is not true in this period of time in the 17th century. There was a lot of deer. They ate mostly venison at that first Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, probably did eat uh, cranberries. Uh, cranberries were commonly eaten by native people. Um, and as you said, there were gourds and squashes and and, and things like that. Um, probably not potatoes. Mm. Potatoes were actually in this period of time uh, considered a delicacy. They were you know largely in South America. They really were just making um, uh, becoming more available to common people in Europe at this time. So probably not potatoes. And a lot of corn. And so how would the corn be eaten? It wasn't eaten fresh on the cob. It was probably dried. Um, It was probably in a cornmeal mush type of thing, a rudimentary sort of cornbread, like a a griddle cake. Um, So there are some echoes of that meal, but the meal that we eat now as very symbolic of that 1621 feast not very much related in terms of what was what was eaten. And also it wasn't one day. They had this right. feasting for like three or four days. You know, he says there were 90 um, native men. And then, of course, whoever was in, in the settlement. So that's pretty interesting. So this gentleman writes this letter. And who, who is he sending it to? You said, you said getting overseas, it takes you know, a certain amount of time. You say December, he arrives in December. So he's communicating to family back home or what's the deal? Uh, It's a friend. He says, loving an old friend, although I I received no letter from you by this ship, yet for as much as I know, you expect the performance of my promise. Meaning, I know that, he says, I didn't get a letter from you, Mm. but I know you would want me to write you. And so I'm writing this to you. So how does he frame this event to his friend? He's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating story in some ways. I mean, I can imagine his friend receiving this and saying, wow, you know, this is really nothing that I see in my day to day. What an interesting thing to read. But how does he communicate this to his friend? Here's the event. 
here's what the genesis of this event was. This is the idea behind it. Of course, and this is going to be my second question too, is the evolution of this holiday of Thanksgiving. How did that occur? And we'll get to that, I'm sure. Sure. So um, basically what he's saying to his friend is, um, let me tell you what's been going on here. Mm. Right, we got here. We planted these crops. Some did well. He says, "You know, our barley was indifferent good, meaning it was kind of metza metza. It was all right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, our peas were not worth gathering, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they were sown too late. And what we understand from this is they still don't understand the seasons. They don't understand the geography, the climate. Mm-hmm. So they're they're guessing. And so this is a report of saying, here's what's been happening to us. Right. Um, and then it, he's saying, you know, finally, when we, we made it through, we had this feast to give thanks. He's very clear about that, okay. right? It's a thankfulness feast. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the idea that it is a feast of giving thanks, Thanksgiving, right. yes, it was. But what was eaten was not, you know, what we eat now. And I mean, I'm sure you can guess this idea. He does actually say here, the Indians are uh, very friendly to us. And we have this very lovely, friendly relationship in that moment in time. And that's through this mythology of this kind of, um, you know, Native people wanting to help the the Europeans and having this relationship and this Feast of Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. um, really comes from. I think what's important to know, and I think what a lot of people don't know, is that those moments of now we're at peace, we're getting along great, was momentary. And then next month we could be fighting. And six months from now, we could be friends again. Um, You know, people are complex. Well, we all know, of course, you know, how the story evolved and unfolded as the years passed. And there's, you know, tremendous amount of material, heartbreaking and and this type of thing, you know, of what occurred. But uh, I'm wondering... Do we have any other letters from this individual talking about those relationships, you know, and because as you say, he's communicating to his friend about right. this event of giving thanks and he reports, it sounds to me like he's reporting, you know, representing a certain kind of relationship with, with the indigenous people, uh, which sounds uh, friendly, as you say. At that moment. But I'm just curious, is there any other reports from him about so, that? So, not from him, but there are there are other reports. Remember, this was a company, mm-hmm. right? So the colonial governor, who was employed essentially by the company on behalf of the king, um, was sending reports back to England. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know as much as we know about what was the winter like, you know, how were their interaction with the Native people at that period of time. Right. Um, and so, or how we have accounts is by, um, it's almost always people in service of kind of their job. So we have an account here in Connecticut from 1614 by Adrian Block, who was Dutch. And it was the Dutch really who first uh, colonized and made settlements in Connecticut. And he was exploring uh, the Connecticut River. And he says in 1614, he says the natives there, this is South Windsor, plant maize. And in the year 1614, they had a village resembling a fort for protection against the attacks of their enemies. And so those enemies are not Europeans at that period of time. It's other tribal people, right? And then he talks about the river and so on. And so, but he's making this report because he works for somebody as a privateer, basically. He's working mm-hmm. as a paid explorer. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how we know this. Um, but let's talk about Connecticut a little bit mm. before we even talk about you know, how do Thanksgiving come to be Thanksgiving? Mm. 
So Connecticut in this period of time uh, uh, was, as I said, first settled by the Dutch, largely as a trading port. Um, the English tried to make inroads. You know, it's kind of a little skirmishes between um, the Dutch and the English. But it is about 15 years after that first Thanksgiving in Plymouth that a group of um, Puritan leaders, you know, pilgrim leaders, uh, decide that they want to settle Connecticut. And I think the reason is super interesting. Do you want to guess why? Like, why would they say, 15 years, we've established ourselves. Mm. This is good. We have our villages. We know how to plant. Yeah. Everything is good. Well, Let's go to Connecticut. So you're saying they're not there. They moved to Connecticut. Say, so let's. This yes, is a, a group. A, good place a group to decided mm-hmm. to uh, basically leave Plymouth, leave Massachusetts, right. and go into Connecticut, the Connecticut colony, right. to settle the Connecticut. I mean, I can only guess. I don't know resources, money, power. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's got to be about you know expanding you know the uh, fiefdom in some sense. Am I wrong? <laughs> so, so probably some, you know, as a secondary endeavor, mm-hmm. the idea of expanding one's power. Yes, it's always that, right? right? There were, which you have to understand about North America in that period of time, the amount of resources here was staggering sure. to the Europeans. Of course, you know, timber, animals in the forest, fish in the sea, you know, wild fruits and plants. Um, it was completely mind-blowing to them how much was here. So it really wasn't a matter of resources. Oh, we don't have enough in Massachusetts, right. in Cape Cod, and you know, we got to go down to Connecticut. No, that's not why. The reason is because as <laughs> the Puritans and the Pilgrims of Massachusetts, there was a certain group among them who, to simplify it, right. um, <laughs> felt that they were not Puritan enough. Mm. So a group of men led by Thomas Hooker, decides, you guys are a little lax here in your Puritanism, right? Like, you're not really as strictly faithful as you should be. I'm going to go and create a new settlement where I can, and we can have stricter rules. So now understand that this was a society that was not unlike a lot of what we would now consider repressive societies. Yeah. Today, right? It was a religious-based society. You had to spend all day in church on Sunday. If you were not in church on Sunday, you could be fined. You could be put in jail. You know, women had to wear modest clothing. Anything that was deemed um, inappropriate could be punishable by uh, jail, by corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know certainly that... um, uh, if someone was accused of uh, witchcraft, right, and and that could be virtually anybody, yeah. um, the punishment was death, right? So this is a very severe society as right. it is. But Thomas Hooker decides it's not severe enough. I see. So, so are you saying more maybe fundamentalist? Much more of, fundamentalist. Yeah, that's not that's in some ways not an uncommon story and one that I think has been repeated in many communities. Through history, I mean, you can jump to the Mormons and the FLDS, right? You know, in terms of what's happening there, and if you look at the history of Mormonism, no, you know, polygamy is not something we do anymore, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, but but yeah, there there are branches that uh, 
left that main, you know, in some ways for the same reason. And you could certainly get the microscope out or your magnifying glass and say, what's really going on here? But that motivation, right? something is, exists in and can emerge in communities. And so it sounds like that's what happened. And that's exactly what happened, right? So Connecticut essentially... Um, is, is is much more Puritan right. than Massachusetts. They settle at the Heist de Hoop, which is uh, Fort Hope, right. a Dutch settlement. It's Hartford, became Hartford. They okay. call it they called it Hertford or Hertford after a town in England um, where Hooker had associations. And um, you know, essentially, they created this super fundamentalist colony. Sometime later, maybe within a few years later. Um, there is a settlement of uh, New Haven, which is which in itself is super interesting because what you have is uh, a man named John Davenport, a reverend, decides that those fundamentalist guys up in Hartford and in Wethersfield and these original towns not strict enough. Also, and he settles New Haven. It's a rogue colony, and that's okay. so. That's a whole aspect of Connecticut colonial history. But um, what I want to tell you is that so ha- so were there feasts of Thanksgiving here in Connecticut? And the answer is almost certainly yes, because feasts of Thanksgiving were very common in these religious societies. The purpose was very specifically to gather and thank God for you know the ability to to settle a colony to weather difficult circumstances um, you know wealthy people might have created uh, feasts of Thanksgiving right. for very personal reasons right, right? Uh, you know my child was sick and now is not that mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. um, so there there certainly were um, the descriptions we have relating to the the, the native people are very similar to uh, in terms of foodways, right, right, to what we see in that letter, right, right? Um, that 1621 letter, right. um, maize, corn, right. right, a lot of hunting, uh, depending where indigenous people were. Obviously, the Massasoit were on coastal May, uh, Massachusetts, so there was, you know, clams, and we know that there were there was lobster. The letter goes on to talk about lobster, clams, so on, mm-hmm. um, at that first Thanksgiving. Huh. Uh, and for coastal Connecticut, it would not have been dissimilar at all. Right. Do we have definitive examples of big Thanksgiving feasts, including indigenous people in Connecticut? Um, not necessarily, uh-huh. right? But um, certainly those types of things, with or without a cross-cultural element, right. um, happened. So having said that, how did Thanksgiving come to be? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm listening to you share this, and what I'm hearing is that, right, you have this... And this kind of relates back to you know my own uh, exposure to this story as a as a as a young boy in school and the first Thanksgiving. There's a kind of fixation on the first Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't know you know the name of this person. I wasn't introduced to the name of this individual who wrote this letter, this first kind of gathering. But it sounds like what you're saying is that it, in some ways, is a, a bit of a, a a tradition or a kind of a something that that the people of the time return to yes. on a regular basis. So. It sounds like there there is a traditional aspect to it. So it's not necessarily like, you know, we have this letter the first time. It sounds to me like there may have been a time before that too. Right. I'm not sure, but... So, I mean, that's a really good point. So Edward Winslow writes this letter in 1621. Right. They had only been there a year. Right. So um, there hadn't been a time before that in that community. Okay. But 
you know, in Europe, absolutely. Right. right. And that's a really good point. It was a traditional way yes. to celebrate good fortune. Exactly. Right. And so in writing this letter yeah. uh, back to his friend yeah. in England, that person would have fully understood what that meant. There you go. Right? right. That we had three days and we all got together and right. we ate and we celebrated. It would have been that person would have said, Yep, I get exactly what's going on. And here. I can imagine yeah. it's a way for that individual here in this country, you know, to affirm that connection to his own yes. tradition, his own understanding of what they would do to express gratitude in a communal way. Right. So, yeah. And it's, it was also a way of saying, you know, we've come here, we've set up this settlement, we've set up this colony, mm-hmm. and we are engaging in our ways. We're yeah. recreating our way of life right, right. here. Right. You know, we're not, we may be in the wilderness, but we're not, you know, completely devoid of our right. customary traditions. Here's another question I have for you. So with this individual writing this letter, and again, going back to the whole thing of uh, religious freedom, um, how was the element? I'm just curious. In this letter, was the uh, was it, were there any religious elements represented in this letter to his friend? You know, in terms of sharing, I don't know what you want to call it, belief at this point. Obviously, we know that there was a good amount of proselytization. You know, proselytizing. You know, in 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 coming here and meeting the indigenous uh, people, and that went on for many many years, and you know continues. Yes. That's a big part of the faith, I think, right? Um, so I'm just curious if that's represented at all in yes, those letters. A- in, in absolutely. That letter and he's very careful to make sure, I think, mm-hmm. that that element is there. He says, and although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. So what he's saying that you know, it's not always as plentiful it was on that day, mm-hmm. on that Thanksgiving day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but because of the you know goodness of God, we're okay. We're 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 surviving, and in fact, we have so much thanks to God. Mm. I wish you were here mm. to have so much mm. with us. And the fact is, that, truthfully, that was not the case. Like the myth that we enjoy in this country is that that first year was hard. Yep. The Thanksgiving feast happened, and from there on forward, yeah. there was, you know, it wasn't hard. Yeah. They figured out how to plant crops. They yeah. figured how to save food. There was, it was plentiful. Yeah, and that wasn't exactly the case. I mean, had they chose to live completely in the manner of the native people, then it would be plentiful. Right. But they were, you know, forcing this square peg of European farming practices and lifestyles in the round hole of the new world, the quote unquote new world. And so it wasn't Uh always plentiful, but he says it is. And he says that, you know, we're okay. And it's, it's, you know, it's because of God. Later he says, it has pleased God so to possess the Indians with a fear of us and love unto us that not only the greatest king amongst them called Massasoit, but all the princes and people round about us have either made suit unto us or been glad of any occasion to make peace for us. Uh Like in our modern idea, we're like, that's insane. So what he's saying is that you know, God decided uh-huh. to make them afraid of us. And right. because they're so afraid of us, there's nothing they won't do uh-huh. to be peaceful and loving to us right. because, you know, the subtext is God made us better than them, right. right? So you have, yeah, you have this event, it occurs, you've got a group of people, and then you have a person that is framing, you know, the meaning behind the interaction, right? Uh, which is interesting. Um, so what's yeah. really interesting to me is that when you read this letter, 
um, and you understand the cultural context, uh, were they to be here today, other than being generally horrified by everything they see around them, and they came to Thanksgiving at whosoever home it was, they would understand that. They'd say something good has happened, and these people are getting together to say thank you. Uh, Even during the Revolutionary War, Washington proclaimed, uh, Washington's generals and Washington himself proclaimed days of Thanksgiving specifically for the purpose of giving thanks to God for winning um, key battles multiple, multiple times. He had a, a, a Thanksgiving that he proclaimed while he was president in Philadelphia. And uh, before that, when he was in New York, when the presidency was in New York, um, again, basically to uh, to proclaim thanks for the ratification of the Constitution. That Thanksgiving, to give thanks for the Constitution, and the mm. Congress actually achieved this great event of ratifying the Constitution, uh, happened to be Thursday, November 26th. Oh. It was a Thursday. It was the fourth Thursday in November, which is when we celebrate it. But that did not become a regular event uh, in the way that we think about it, right? Um, At some point in the 19th century, people started celebrating uh, it in that way, but very loosely. You know, some people did and some people didn't. It was actually um, the editor of the Ladies Godies book, Sarah Josepha Hale, uh, who went to Lincoln during the Civil War and convinced him that that day, that fourth Thursday in November, should be a national holiday, uh, specifically as a way to show, um, you know, thanks for the Union and thanks for, um, you know, the friendship and the amity Mm -hmm. that should exist Mm -hmm. between all Americans. It was meant to be a healing holiday. Right. Um, and so he actually was the one, Abraham Lincoln was the one who proclaimed it a national holiday. Right. And so it has been ever since. Wow. Yes. But it's not, not quite what people think it is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I feel like I've learned some things in terms of the evolution of that event. But I've always been curious. I mean, your last point about how it was you know, selected as a standard yearly event. Uh, I wasn't aware of, you know, how that occurred, but it sounds like it is something that has its roots in the culture that came here. That was something that right. existed as a regular um, touch point in their communal society, which they brought here. And of course, you know, it's not like gratitude is something that exists only in one community. I think expressing gratitude is, as you say, it is a healing thing. And right. in that sense, I think every community will find value and importance in that. And I think that if you can, you know, create an event around that, I think that's a pretty good thing. I think you're 100% right. And I mean, and to your point, um, it, it was just their community. Mm-hmm. Um, the real first quote unquote Thanksgiving celebration the, yeah. of giving thanks in the Americas uh, was. Um, uh, Vasquez, Francisco Vasquez de Coronado, and um, the Tea Indians in Texas. And that was 1541, right? That isn't yeah. the story that we're told because, of course, that was a Spanish uh, settlement, mm. colony. Mm. Um, but in fact, 
you know, throughout Europe and throughout ancient cultures too, right? Just right. as you say, this is, yeah. I think it's a very human, yeah. a, a human desire yeah. to mark occasions and to make some big expression of thanks. Yeah. So with that, I thank you for oh, listening to my thank story. Thank you. I'm so glad to have heard thank it. You. And I wish you happy Thanksgiving. And you too. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Buried in Our Past, Hidden Histories. We hope you enjoyed today's program. Learn more at westporthistory.org. You'll love what you learn.